Okay, again, good morning and welcome to Cornerstone. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman, and for those of you that are just tuning in or might be listening to the message by podcast or watching later, uh, welcome. I I would encourage everyone to check in. If you're here on site, you can use the card that is in your growth guide and just drop it in the box that's over there in the back corner, or wherever you are, you can use our app. I encourage you to download the app, or uh, you can even text the word here, and I'm mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but I still need people to help me test this out because this is a new thing. So if you want to just text the word here, H-E-R-E, to our church number, 603-225-2550. I found out last time I tested this that if you add other stuff, it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. So for just the first text, just text the word here and we'll see how that works. We are in a series called Praxis. Now, praxis is, a, is based on a Greek word, and it means our course of action. This is the, this is, uh, the word that the Bible book, Acts, uh, that's praxis apostolos, the Acts of the Apostles. And what we're doing in this is l- to looking at the different uh, habits Uh, Some people would call them spiritual disciplines that we do as followers of Jesus. Uh, It's not about, it's not you do these things like a list of do's and don'ts. And if you do these things, then you're good. And if you don't do these things, you're out of the picture. It's not like that. It's the things that we do to facilitate spiritual growth. And we've used before the picture of a greenhouse that we want a church to be a spiritual greenhouse with just the right environment to foster spiritual growth. So, you know, if you were talking about plants and an actual greenhouse, you would know, well, you need water, you need sunshine, you need fertilizer. Well, what are those things in the life of a follower of Jesus that accentuate, facilitate spiritual growth? Those those are the kinds of things that we're talking about. And we put it under these three main categories that I've looked at before. So we'll just go through them very quickly. Know, grow, and go. This is our habit based on what we see Jesus doing. Uh, Someone following Jesus will be a person communing with God on their own. And that's the thing we've been emphasizing. Then grow together. Worshiping in a community, growing among friends in a circle. Because we know that if you want to make progress spiritually, if you want to grow spiritually, you have to connect relationally. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. And then, but we also go, we go make a difference, going and making a difference in their world. That's what a follower of Jesus does. So again, I mentioned the greenhouse idea and, uh, what we've been doing is kind of saying, okay, well, what are these tools? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some practical tools that will help you to facilitate spiritual growth. Now, we also encourage you to take next steps. And so uh, the next step that this kind of goes under, if you're talking about knowing God, communing with God, we've talked about saying yes. Well, what, what does it mean to say yes? That means you're saying yes to Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Well, what does that mean? It means that I'm saying, yes, I want what you did on the cross, Jesus, to count for me so that my sins can be forgiven, so I can have a clean slate before you. But it also means that I'm going to, you're going to be my Lord. Now, we don't talk about lords that much in our time and place, but it means he's the boss, that he gets to call the shots. 
Now that's how we start this journey is by saying yes to Jesus. And we symbolize that and celebrate it with baptism. But it's also an ongoing process. When you're following Jesus, you've in essence, you get up every day and you say yes. And what's the question? You know, Jesus, what, what do you have in mind for me today? And the practice, because remember, this is what we're focusing on, the core practice for that step is life journaling, which is a process for reading and responding to God's word daily. And if you want more about that, that's what we went into a little bit in depth last week. But again, like I said, it's based on the pattern that we see in Jesus' life. Jesus, who is fully man and fully God, even he spent time where he was just focusing on connecting with and developing that relationship with his heavenly father. We see this in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, where it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. First chapter of Mark, first chapter in this gospel. Now, <clears throat> we're going to move on. Oops, sorry. Uh, Wayne, would you grab my water, which is back there sitting on that shelf? Thank you. <clears throat> so we're going to continue to talk about different practices, and there will be a core practice for each of these things. But today, because it's Pentecost, because we're focusing on the Holy Spirit, thank you, sir. We are going to talk about another practice that is related to our daily walk, our daily saying yes to Jesus and walking with him. And that is the idea of walking in the spirit. Now, walking is a biblical idiom for the way we live our lives. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the idea is that you are going to live your life in the spirit. What does that mean? How do you do that? It sounds kind of nebulous. It sounds unclear. You know, what, what does that look like to walk in the spirit? Uh, you know, will you be able to look at somebody and be able to tell they are walking in the spirit? Are they going to act a certain way or do things differently? What does that mean? So that's what we want to focus in on today. Now, a couple of weeks ago, actually the first week after Easter, we talked about the Holy Spirit and there was lots of good stuff in there. So I'll encourage you, if you weren't part of that, we talked about the world after the resurrection. And the big, huge thing about this is that God's power is made available. And this was the bottom line for that day. The Holy Spirit is God's personal presence. And I'm just kind of laying the foundation so you know what we're talking about before we go into the practice of walking in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's personal presence in dwelling and empowering every believer in Jesus. So what's different about the Holy Spirit and our experience of the Holy Spirit after the resurrection? In the time before that, the Holy Spirit, God's personal presence, would come upon certain people, only certain people, and only for a certain period of time, empowering them and enabling them to do a certain task. So it was very limited, limited number of people, limited, uh, limited time frame. Now the floodgates are open and every believer, every believer in Jesus has God's personal pr presence in dwelling always with them and empowering them 
enabling them to live the Christian life. That's why I always say, and this is, this is so key. So anytime we, we de-emphasize or, or steer away from the Holy Spirit out of fear or where we see abuses related to the Holy Spirit, where people are just basically acting crazy and not, you know, that's, that's, there's a difference between being crazy and being filled with the Spirit. Uh, so, um, so but, but we can't ignore it because this is the absolute key to living the Christian life. You will fail miserably if you try to live Jesus' life without the power and presence of Jesus' spirit with you. So the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, says this, walk by the spirit. In other words, if you're going to follow Jesus, uh, this, is what it, uh, this, is, this is what it means. You're going to be living a life your, your, your course of life is going to be, your, your way of living is in the spirit. So what does that mean? And how do you do it? Or to put it another way, how do I let God guide my life? And that's what we're talking about in today's message, power walking. I'm going to invite my daughter, Joy. Everybody say hi, Joy. Hi to come on up. Uh, we're very glad to have her with us. She is off at college most of the time, and she's getting ready to go and do camp. Oh, you need one of these. Hold that. Uh, getting ready to do camp in just a week or two. So uh, anytime that she's here, I like to put her to work. So uh, sometimes she's singing, and now she's going to read scripture with me. What we're going to do is we're going to read two different passages. The first one is about Pentecost itself. So it kind of sets the stage. This is what happened on that very first Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came upon the whole assembled body of believers and indwelled them for the first time. It's kind of like celebrating the birthday of the church. And then we'll shift to more from the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Galatians. And in that passage, he talks about walking in the spirit and the difference. And here's what I want you to listen for as, um, as we're reading, especially in that Galatians passage, it draws a very sharp contrast between two things, life directed by your sinful nature and walking in or living by the power of the Holy Spirit. So be watching for that. All right, here we go. This is going to be Acts chapter two, some verses from there, and then Galatians chapter five, verses 16 to 26, and we'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Ready? Okay. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers... We're meeting together in one place. (laughs) Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear in their own languages being spoken by the believers. 
They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. And we hear all these things, all these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying they're just drunk, that is all. Then Peter stepped forward and the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. And now we'll shift to the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Galatian church. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited, provoke one another, or be jealous of one another. Thank you, Joy. I'll take that. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, I pray that you would give us insight and understanding. Lord, we believe and know that your Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures. And that means that the author of the scriptures is here with us, indwelling us. And so I pray, Lord, that we would tune in and hear. Give us ears to hear what you would have to say to us through what we look at today. And then empower us, propel us, move us, guide and direct us to walk in your ways, in the power of the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we've laid the foundation. Today we are talking about the Spirit-directed life. And remember, what we're talking about, what we're focusing on is the actual practice. How do you walk in the Spirit? So I'm going to give you a very simple acronym that you can remember that will help you to remember the steps that we're going to look at today, and it's PLAY, P-L-A-Y. The bottom line for today is, this is it's going to be your confession, I pause for, listen to, and act on your voice, Lord, P. L-A-Y. I pause for, listen to, and act on your voice, voice, Lord. So that's what it looks like. So here, here's an overview. Don't try to write this down. We'll come back around to it. Uh, you're going to first pause. And that includes two parts. Trusting in Christ that God's Holy Spirit is indwelling. Second part of this is to surrender. God's Holy Spirit is there, but you also have to surrender. It's not something that's forced upon you. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that we get to do. The L is for listen. Listen for God's voice, then act in God's power. So that's what we're saying. And then I'm going to challenge you to apply that during the week. So let's, let's unpack this step by step, look at it step by step, look at it piece by piece, uh, to pause, listen, and act on the Lord's voice. Now, I put two parts in that pause, uh, and if it helps you to remember, if you think about the symbol for pause, it's got those two lines, so that might help you remember. But the first thing is to trust. This was so perfect. I'm, I'm constantly amazed at how little um, collaborative planning Kent and Elizabeth and I do about the service and how often God's Holy Spirit just directs it so well. If you listen carefully to Kent's prayer, he talked all about this. It's not about feeling. It's not about, it, it, it's just trusting that God's Holy Spirit is there. We don't always feel it. We don't always have confidence even. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you trust that God's Holy Spirit is indwelling. Now, there are two ways that you can look at this, that you can understand this, and I mean both of them. The first thing is is just that first step. Remember that with, this, with Pentecost and every moment since then, when a person becomes a follower of Jesus, when a person becomes a Christian, when a person is born again, when a person comes to uh, uh, have eternal life, all those are just different ways that the Bible talks about becoming a follower of Jesus that there's something that happens in the natural and on your side where you say yes to Jesus, but there's also something happens on the spiritual side, on the supernatural side and the invisible side that's God's work. He recreates you. Behold, everyone in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one of my favorite verses. But 
Um, so that what that means is you have to put your trust in Christ in order for God's Holy Spirit to be indwelling. This isn't something that's automatic. It's not something for everybody in the world. It is for those who have committed, surrendered their life to Jesus. But when you do that, you have God's Holy Spirit living and indwelling in you. Sometimes when people come to Christ, it's a very emotional experience and they feel something. Sometimes it's very cut and dried and unemotional. And it's just, yes, this is now, I am following Jesus from this point on. It's not about emotion. It's not about feeling. It's about the fact that if you're a follower of Jesus, God has promised and he always delivers and you will have God's Holy Spirit, his personal presence indwelling and empowering you. So if you are not following Jesus, you cannot count on this. But if you are following on Jesus, then you do count on it. And that's the second way that you can interpret this. So first, you got to trust in Christ so that God's spirit is indwelling. But once you have trusted in Christ, once you are following Jesus, you trust. You just kind of walk in the truth that God's spirit is is in dwelling. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans. This is one of my favorite verses also. I have lots of favorite verses. Have you ever noticed that? Um, But you are not controlled, Romans 8, 9. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled. Remember, this is, the Apostle Paul is writing to believers. You are not controlled by your sinful nature or your flesh, some translations might say. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. In other words, if you have the Spirit of God living in you, that is a controlling influence in your life. But then he becomes clear. He's like, all right, I said if, but, but let me just make sure that everybody understands this. And this is the second half of the verse. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. In other words, basically you can separate the world into two kinds of people, those who are, have God's Holy Spirit and those who don't. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have said yes to Jesus, surrendered your life, Savior and Lord, then you have God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a controlling influence in your life. But if you do not have the Spirit, then you don't belong to Christ. It, it, it's not kind of a, eh, you know, I'm kind of half in and half out. That's not the way it works. It's, it's either or. And so it's important for us to remember that. And that's why it's important to trust, to trust. I remember uh, when I first ran across that verse and, uh, uh, and it really hit home to me was many years ago, we were looking for a place to live and I said, Lord, I, w- I just kind of want you to be my, my real estate agent. Will you just guide and direct us, help us to make a wise decision, lead us to the right place? And, and we were facing the thing, should we buy this place or not? And I, and I just didn't know. I just didn't have a real sense. Sometimes, you know, you just have a sense of what God is doing. And I just didn't have that at all. And I was like, I don't know. It seems like, nah, I'm not sure. And I ran across this verse. And it, and it says that, if you have the spirit of God living in you, you are controlled by, you're led by, you're being propelled by. You, the, the Holy Spirit is a controlling influence in your life. It doesn't say you're going to have such confidence. It doesn't say you're going to feel something deep in your soul. No, it says this is the way it is. And that was really helpful to me because it gave me the confidence. I don't have to feel something. I just know I'm a follower of Jesus. God's Holy Spirit is leading and guiding me. I can walk in that truth. 
And so that was a good thing to know. That was a good thing to remember. So that's the trust side of things. The other part of, and so, so here, here's where I pause and I say, so if you, are, you want God to guide your life, but you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, not said, I want what you did on the cross to count for me, and that from now on, you get to call the shots in my life, then that's what you need to do if you want God to guide your steps. And the way that we uh, encourage that, follow up with that, is by taking the next step. When you do any of those check-ins, you'll see an option. On the card, it's the say yes, and you'll see if you double circle that, that's just your way of indicating, yes, I'm following Jesus for the first time. Let's settle that before you leave today. All right, so that's the first part of play. We're pausing. Everybody say pause. pause. I'm an introvert. I hate it when speakers do that, but it's good. It helps. Uh, I, I pause for listen to and act on your voice. So there's the trust part. That's what we talked about. The other part is to surrender. Uh, the way I've heard people describe this before is that God is a gentleman. He's not going to force this upon you. But if you are open to it, if you say yes to him, he will do this. And so there's a part where you just need to pause and say, okay, am I trusting? Have I trusted Christ? So I'm a believer. And then, okay, if that's the case, then yes, I trust that God's Holy Spirit is indwelling. He's leading and guiding me. Good thing. But now I have to surrender. Uh, God's Holy Spirit is available to us as a controlling influence in our life. He will lead and guide. He'll put his hands on the steering wheel, but he's not going to drag you out of the driver's seat. He's, he, that, that, that's not how he does it. But if you surrender to him, he will lead you. The key verse that I use for this is Ephesians 5, 18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a parallelism. That's why I have two colors up there again. The, the, the contrast is being, between being drunk and being filled with and alcohol versus the Holy Spirit. You might think that's kind of a funny contrast, but you guys have heard me say this before. This is almost like, this is almost like a, a responsive reading now with our church. When you are drunk, you do things you wouldn't normally do what kind of things? Say it loud. Stupid things, right? Exactly. Stuff you wouldn't normally do, stupid things. But when you're, because you're controlled by something else, but when you're filled with or controlled or led by the Holy Spirit, you do things you wouldn't normally do. Good things, wise things, helpful things. And I always thought that was such an insightful uh, contrast there. It's kind of funny, but it's also kind of insightful. It's like, okay, to be filled with the Spirit. I know what that means because I've seen drunk people, right? So that, that's kind of what it means. Uh, what is, here's the question, what's going to be the controlling influence in your life? For some people, it is alcohol. For others, it's fear or shame or regret. And that becomes the controlling influence in their lives. And for the believer in Jesus, there's only supposed to be one controlling influence in your life, God's Holy Spirit. So, and uh, here's, here's what helps with that. And this kind of ties it into what we were talking about last week. Last week, we focused on life journaling, reading and responding to God's word on a daily basis. And... Um, 
uh, there's a passage, uh, again, a very familiar, I won't say it's one of my favorites, although it's a good one. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 talks about the scriptures, you know, the Bible, God's word. And it says that in the New Living Translation, all scripture is inspired by God. Now, last week I also talked about comparing and contrasting translations, and sometimes that helps. Uh, I made a mistake on the slides. It's corrected in your growth guide. This is actually the NIV, New International Version, of the same verse. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. That's a more literal translation of what it means. And you may remember, if you were here the week after uh, Easter, we watched a video from the Bible Project that was all about the Holy Spirit. And it made the point that that in the biblical languages, there's their illustration of Pentecost, that spirit and wind and breath are all the same word. It's just the context and how we, we have three different words in English for these concepts in Hebrew and in Greek, actually, they're all one word and you you have to just look at the context. So that word for the scriptures is God breathed. It's, it's, God's spirit. It's the wind of God. And what, what you can do if you want to be led by, if you want the Holy Spirit to be the controlling influence in your life, one of the best practices that you can do is what we talked about last week, the life journaling of getting into a habit of reading and responding to God's word. So I want to make sure that we tied that together because they are interrelated. And in fact, there's another passage you know, the Apostle Paul wrote multiple letters for like two-thirds of the New Testament. And in Ephesians and Galatians, I'm sorry, Colossians, if in Ephesians and Colossians, there's a parallel passage. In the Ephesians passage in 5.18 that we just looked at, it said, be filled with the Spirit. And then it lists a bunch of different things that, that what that looks like. In Colossians, he says something And then a lot of things that look like that. And if you line those passages up, there's this great parallelism. In fact, you should should look at it. If you have extra time, go back and look at these two. Ephesians 5.18 and Colossians 3.16, where it says, Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. This is a parallel passage, where, and it helps to explain. What do you mean, Paul, to be filled with the Spirit? Well, you let the word of Christ, the message about Christ, the gospel message, who he is, what he did, what it means for us, let that just fill up your lives. And how can you do that? Well, you read and respond to God's word on a daily basis. So we're, uh, that, was, that, was the biggest, that was the biggest explanation. So we're going to move pretty fast through the rest of these steps. So we're going to pause Listen, act on your voice, Lord. We have talked about what it means to trust that God's spirit is indwelling. We need to surrender to God's will. And then we're going to listen for God's voice. Uh, There are lots of passages in the Old Testament scriptures that foretell and talk about this new age where God's spirit is available to everyone. This is one of those passages, but it's not one that we look at very often. It's from Isaiah chapter 30. And this is what uh, Isaiah says. You will see your teacher, the, 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 um, the New Testament word that's sometimes translated from teacher is rabbi. Uh, You will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way, 
you should go. In other words, it's like, okay, your teacher, the one who's going to lead you, the one that's going to show you the way, he's going to show up. Kind of sounds like Jesus, right? And your own ears will hear him. There's going to be like this voice behind you giving you direction. Kind of sounds like the Holy Spirit, right? And it says, this is the way. Now, you didn't think I was going to pass up an, ob- uh, an opportunity to, to, to make a Mandalorian reference, did you? This is the way. You know, we say, this is the way. This is, this is how it works. This is the way you should go. Now, look at what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you. Teacher, Isaiah 30. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you, and he will remind you of everything I have told you. For who can know the the Lord's thoughts? Now, here he's quoting another Old Testament scripture. Who knows enough to teach him? And the point of that one is, you know, we can't read God's mind, you know, and and who would be smart enough to teach him anything? And then he goes on, but, and this is the amazing part, but we understand these things. For we have the mind of Christ. When God shared his spirit with us, he was like, let me let you in on my thoughts. You can read my mind. I'm opening my thoughts up to you. That's pretty amazing. So what's the practical step? Well, sometimes as you're going through your life, you just need to pause and say, and just remind yourself, I have God's Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is leading and guiding me no matter what I feel, no matter what, I've, what I'm thinking about or whatever. You know, if I, if I will surrender to him, if I just pause, then I can remind myself of that and make sure that I am surrendered to him. And then we listen, we kind of pause and just say, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to us in this? Now, this is where it gets a little bit, tricky and some people get tripping over their own doubts and stuff. But um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, in the old days when you answered the phone and you didn't know who it was before you answered the phone, you know, they used to mount phones on a wall. Can you imagine that? And, and it would ring and you'd pick it up and answer it and you wouldn't even know who was calling you. Crazy. Uh, but, but that's the way it was when Sue Ellen and I got engaged back in the, in the old times. And, uh, and after, you know, when she first started calling me, I would, she would say, hi, Sue Ellen. Oh, okay. Hi, this is Brian. Uh, but after a while, she'd call and I wouldn't know who was calling. I'd pick it up. And before she said anything, I knew it was her. What? How did I do? I just had a sense, or maybe there was some background noise or just the sound of her breathing or something, but I knew it was her because I recognized his voice, her voice. Now, Jesus promised that his followers, his flock, would hear his voice. And it's hard at first. And that's why you need to read God's word and make sure it lines up with that. Maybe check it out with a trusted friend. Make sure that you're not getting off base. But after a while, you'll begin to recognize his voice. And you'll hear him more and more. Because he's indwelling you in the person of his Holy Spirit. So sometimes we just have to trust. Okay, I have God's Holy Spirit. And just listen. Pause. Listen. 
and we go from there. So we talked about trusting. We talked about part of that is surrendering and then listening for God's voice. But lastly, to act in God's power. Uh, when I f- started as an associate pastor at one of my first church uh, that I was hired at, I used to teach a, 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 um, a class on spiritual gifts. Now, uh, and what I always used to say is that uh, a spiritual gift, which is just an, an enabling that God gives you, allows you to do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. So if you, uh, if you have the spiritual gift of teaching, then you're going to teach in a way that apart from God's Holy Spirit, you could not do. So there's, there's an enabling, an empowering. That's why I called it power walking. It's the power of God walk, working in and through you as you walk through your day. But remember, it's also a choice. You have to surrender. So, and, and the trust idea comes in here as well. You act on that. If I hear God's fake speaking, if I see something in the scriptures that I feel like he's leading me to do, if I uh, begin to recognize his voice, I still have to decide to act on that, to let God's Holy Spirit, to surrender the, the, the driver's wheel and to let God's Holy Spirit drive the car. You know what I'm saying? So it's a decision. So you, that's an important part of it. You can pause, you can listen, but then you can do nothing with it and it's not going to do any good. So you have to act on it. And that's what we see in the Galatians passage. And you come back around to this. There are two contrasts where we often hear in Christian circles about the fruit of the spirit. But that's the second part. The first part he talks about is literally the acts, the outworkings, the practices of the flesh. Here's how the New Living Translation uh, defined it, or translated it. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And Joy read through them, all those bad things that are not helpful and damaging to you and to the people around you. So that's the, the contrast. But now you have available the Spirit, and the Spirit produces these kinds of fruits, outworkings of the Spirit. And that's the love, joy, peace, patience. So again, kind of tying this all together, we talked about uh, in one of those messages after, the, uh, after Easter that the, the plan for God's kingdom was revealed. We understand that there's a different way that God's Holy Spirit is available, but we also understand God's kingdom in a different way. And this is the outline of, of history. Go back and listen to that message if you want to know, understand it in detail. But basically, it's each time, boom, God intervenes and we blow it. That's what the X's are. But God promised a time where I'm going to intervene in such a way that I'm going to change you from the inside out. You'll become a different person. And we're going to fix all this and turn it into this. And what we saw was that the actual plan is kind of an overlap. Jesus comes, inaugurates the kingdom of God, but we're in this in-between time. And this is a picture of world history, but it's also a picture of each of us, our biography as well. If you're following Jesus, you're, you're not dead yet. You're still living in your flesh. And that's the battle that the apostle Paul was talking about. But we have a, a, a chance, an opportunity to flip the script and to let God's Holy Spirit be the controlling influence in our lives. 
And at some point when he returns, there's going to be nothing but that. We're 100% following Jesus. But we're in this in-between time. And so we have to make a decision to flip that script and to act on what we hear. And when we do, the acts of the flesh are obvious. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, the outworking of the Spirit. It looks like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, you don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to do anything. But I mean, wouldn't you like to have a life that's like, I watch this person, and that's just the way they walk. That's their course of action, their, their normal course of life. Loving, joyful, peace, patient, kind, and on. I always, I always end up here. I was like, okay, I've got self-control. I can, I can say no to that. I can do what needs to be done. I love that one. I always, I always go to that one. Now, again, I organize it like that because as was pointed out to me, one syllable, two syllables, three syllables. For some reason, that helped me to memorize it. Maybe it'll help you as well. But you have this if you have God's Holy Spirit. And if you will, pause. Okay, I trust God is watching over me. Um, I'm going to surrender to him. I've decided I'm going to flip that script. Listen. He's promised he's going to speak. He speaks to us through his word, his Holy Spirit, and his people. Check it out. Make sure that those are all in sync. And then I act on that. And this is what I experience. So that's the spirit-directed life. Remember the acronym PLAY. Pause. Listen. Act on your voice, Lord. We're going to trust, we're going to surrender, we're going to listen, and we're going to act. So, practically speaking, here's what I'm going to suggest. I, I told you to take a moment to play, at least daily this week. So, you're going to have at least one moment every day where you kind of go through that. Okay, I'm going to pause, I'm going to listen, and then I'm going to act on your voice, Lord. Now, here's what I would suggest. Here's a way that you can do that. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Set an alarm on your phone or on your watch for 5.18. A.M. or P.M., that's up to you and your schedule. Uh, but just set a daily alarm, 5.18. Or maybe pick another verse, 5.23. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, whatever, whatever you want, 3.16 for Second Timothy, and you're going to think about God's Word and how to be spirit-directed and immersed in God's word. But set an alarm daily and just think through, play, pause, listen, and act on your voice, Lord. That's, that's going to characterize my life. And then eventually, you won't need to set an alarm because it'll become your habit. It'll become your practice. It'll become your way of life. And your life will be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a, what a tremendous gift you have given us in that we get, we get to read your mind. We are empowered by your Holy Spirit. We don't have to be controlled by guilt, unforgiveness, resentment, hurts. We can be free of all of that. And so, Lord, I pray for myself, 
for everyone who's watching and listening, people who are here with me today, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, may we tap into what is available to us in the person and presence of your Holy Spirit. Help us to learn how to hear your voice. Help us to act on faith, knowing that we can trust you and that we can trust your promises. And Lord, may we be a people who are characterized by walking in the Spirit, in step with your Spirit, not grieving the Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I hope you have a great week. If you have an opportunity and want to hang out and discuss these questions, that's always available to you. Maybe this is your afternoon conversation or lunchtime conversation, or you can hang out here for a little bit and do that. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope that you do have a great spirit-filled and spirit-directed week.